Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of Diary of Fate called Peter Drake Entry. It first aired on February 23rd, 1948. no favorite. It could happen to you. Book 84, page 327, in the Diary of Fate. Yes, here it is. The name Peter Drake. Occupation, treasurer of Lewis Swirdling and Company. A comfortable life for a man of your temperament, wasn't it, Peter? A life that required few important decisions. An occupation that dealt primarily with numbers. You would have gone on in your work secure and contented. Had it not been for your wife, Marcia... She was blindly proud and avaricious. But you loved her, didn't you, Peter? Because of that love, you stand now in the bedroom of your home, the muzzle of a pistol pressed against your temple. And in less than a minute, you will be dead. Soon I will write the final entry under the name Peter Drake. When I have written... I shall read from his record in The Diary of Fate. I hope you'll understand. why you came here. No. Get out of here. Go on. Get out. Oh, no. Not yet, Arthur. What are you doing? Drop that gun. Since when do you keep your gun on your desk? Afraid of burglars, Arthur? No, Peter, please. Give me back my gun. Sit down, Arthur. There, desk. What are you going to do, Peter? 
No! No! As you fired that shot, Peter Drake, a plan was put in motion. And the end for you was certain. At that moment, I, fate, moved unnoticed into your life. Little things. A moment's hesitation. A sudden rainstorm. A lost wallet. These are the tools with which I work. Let us turn back to the point where it all began. The country club dance. Marcia had planned on the occasion for weeks. Regarded it as an important social opportunity. And yet, it was only half over, and you were on your way home. I can't understand you, Marcia. You talk about nothing but that dance for a month, and then for no apparent reason, you want to leave in the middle of it. No apparent reason? Are you blind? What is the matter? I'll tell you. Very simple life. I've never been so completely humiliated in my life. Thurman and Arthur Swoodley and their fat wives at a table with the governor. And we seated at the other end of the hall with that, with that obnoxious Mr. Ross. Oh, Ross isn't a bad sort, Marcia. He's a fool. And a nobody. And so are the rest of the people at our table. Complete nobody. Oh, Cousin Thurman's wife made certain of that. Harriet, don't be upset. He's jealous of me. She made sure I wasn't on the awards committee, nor the receiving line, nor anything else that might have put me in the public eye. Marcia, darling, we've been over the same thing a thousand times. And I'm fed up with it. Sick and tired of being pushed around by the mighty squirtling. We've got to be patient. Uncle Lewis left the business to Thurman and Arthur, not to me. And the poor nephew became treasure. He main treasure for six years. You're brilliant, Peter. You're too smart to say treasure. You have more brains than the two of them. You should be a partner. Please, Marsha. Then let them try to snub and slight and look down their noses. Do something about it. Demand it. You've got to be. You've got to become a partner. Yes, Peter. You felt the security of your sheltered world crumble before the insistent nagging of your wife, whom you love deeply. You would do as Marcia asked. You had even begun to believe she was right. But an hour after you arrived at your office the next morning, you boldly entered the office occupied by your cousins, Thurman and Arthur. You uh, left the party early last night, Peter. Anything wrong? No, I had a headache, that's all. Well, too bad. Night party. Well, Peter, uh, what do you want to see me about? That's the account? No, Thurman, that's been taken care of. I want to talk about my position here. I'm not satisfied, Thurman. Well, what do you mean, Peter? Just this. I want to be taken in on equal footing. I want to be up there with you and Arthur. What are you talking about? I'll handle this now, Arthur. Now, look, Peter. As a treasurer, you're talking. Keeping books, watching expenses, that sort of thing. That's what you're best suited for. As far as making the big deals, handling our delicate foreign commitments, well, I think you're still a good treasure. Look here, Simon. I've made big money for this company for years. 
I handled our war contracts. I established our overseas trade. Yes, you've always done your job well, Peter. No question about that. But no one man is indispensable. Now, don't forget that. And don't force my hand, Peter. You mean... You mean you'd fire me? Now, now let's be sensible about this. Right now, there's nothing open. Arthur and I can handle the whole show. We need you. We want you. Exactly where you are. I think we understand each other. Now, is there anything else? No, Simon. Nothing else. Very well. Then, let's forget it. Yes, Marcia, I talked to Thurman and Arthur. Things look much better. I'm confident that soon... How soon, Peter? Oh, I don't know. It all depends. They both agree my work has done the firm a lot of good. Did they say anything specific? Well, they said they're not quite ready yet, but when things pick up... Oh, Peter, they're stalling you. And they'll keep on stalling you forever. Well, I'm tired of waiting. I'm not going to wait. What do you mean? I mean I'm through. For six years, I've been insulted and looked down on by this word. I can't take any more. I'm through, I tell you. Through. Marsha, Marsha, you don't mean that. You can't leave me. Peter, you're hurting my arm. You can't leave me, do you hear? I won't let you. I love you, Marsha. I love you so much that I do anything. Anything. My arm, Peter. Please, Marsha, you've got to give me more time. You'd need a whole lifetime. Harriet and Bertha are afraid of me. They'll see that you never get in. I will. I swear I will. But I need time. I love you so, darling. Please, please give me time. All right, Peter. I'll give you six months. Frankly, I think it's a waste of time. You'll get into the firm only when the Swirdling brothers are dead and buried. By that time, I'll be too old to care. Yes, Peter. Your wife had issued an ultimatum. You were forced to a decision. All that night, her words raced through your tortured mind. And by morning, you had reached your decision and established your plan. At the office, you said no more about a partnership. You did your work patiently and quietly. Several weeks went by, and when your chance came, you seized it. You had taken a monthly report into Thurman's office. What's this? Oh, monthly report, eh? Well, thank you, Peter. Congratulations, my boy. That better thing was a nice piece of work. Thanks, Thurman. It did work out well, didn't it? Uh, would you like to go over the report? No, no. I'm sure it's in fine shape. You just leave it on the desk. By the way, uh, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm all right. I've been getting a little outdoor exercise lately, and... Oh, uh, incidentally, Herman, perhaps you'd like to come with me tomorrow. Well, that's funny. Uh, you used to be a pretty good shot, and uh, I have an excellent place up on the lake. Well, <laughs> sounds great, Peter. Like nothing better. But uh, I've got a golf date with Larry Cole back tomorrow. Maybe some other time. Okay, but uh, if you had any questions on the report, I'll I'll be in the office all afternoon. Uh, just a minute. Yes, sir. Uh, about this duck shoot. 
Did you get back by noon? Yes, if we leave early, say about 4.30. Why, George, I'll do it. You, uh, pick me up at 4.30. Fine. I'll pick you up at your house. Good, good. Uh, better sharpen your sights, boy. You're gonna have to go some to beat me. I'll be gunning with a vengeance. Don't worry, family. So will I. What's the matter, Peter? You're you're shivering. I'm freezing. Aren't you cold? Oh, I like it. Ah, it's invigorating. How'd you ever find this place? Not another soul in sight. Uh oh. Here they come. It's your shot, Peter. Oh, you missed again. It's this gun. There's something wrong. I, I can't seem to get the right trigger for you. Uh, maybe it's these gloves. <laughs> Blame the gun, the cold, even the ducks. But never the hunter, huh? <laughs> uh, you can't get away with that. I've got four already. Uh, take your gloves off like I did. Don't have to. I, I still think it's the gun. Uh, let's trade and see how we do. You're using a heavier shot, you know. All right, here. Oh, hurry up. Did they come again? Thurman, turn around. Peter, stop joking. Don't point that gun at me. I'm not joking, Thurman. I'm going to kill you with your own gun. No, Peter, you have your mind. You'll never get away with it. Please, Peter, listen to me. You thought I kept my gloves on because I was cold. No, no, Thurman. Only your prince will be on this gun. I'm going to blow your stomach wide open. No, Peter. No. It'll be an accident. No. Now pray, Thurman. Pray. Yes, Peter Drake. In the cold of the morning, you killed a man. Goaded on by the whiplash tongue of the woman you loved, you committed murder. Now, Peter... The plan was finished, complete. The end for you, ordained. There was no turning back. Now there are many entries to be made. Soon I will record them all in The Diary of Fate. Now your long-scheduled promotion was a certainty. 
Arthur, why didn't you speak to me before you signed this thing? I could have smelled that trick a mile away. It's only been a month since Thurman's accident, and you get us into a jam like this. The point is, I didn't ask you. And I am asking you now. What shall we do? Make me a partner, Arthur, and I can give you all the answers. This isn't the time, Peter. Time? You're hedging, Arthur. You know as well as I do you need me here. I belong here. And the only reason I'm not is because your wife is jealous of Marcia. You shouldn't have said that, Peter. True or not, you shouldn't have said it. If I want your advice again, I'll call you. Good day. But if it's really that serious, Arthur has to give in, Peter. He's cornered. Not quite. He still thinks he can find the answer alone. And if he's not a complete fool, he can. Can't you do something to prevent that? To get him in deeper? Juggle the books, you mean? Not a chance. You've got to do something. We'll never get another opportunity like this. When Thurman dies, we've got our big threat. If you let this chance slip by without... There's nothing I can do about it, so forget it. There is a way to trap him. There must be. If you weren't such a coward, you'd find it. You dare call me that? What do you know about courage, Marcia? Marcia, this is going to be a shock to you. But do you suppose killing Thurman was easy? Peter. Yes, Marcia, I murdered him. Shot him in the belly with his own gun. Now will you shut up and leave me alone? You. Everyone said it was an accident. And all this time... Peter, you've gone this far. You can't stop now. You've got to go ahead. No, Marcia, no, no, please. This is our chance. Work on the book. Ruin Arthur. Trap him. Stop it. Stop it. Stop nagging, pushing, and forcing. In heaven's name, leave me alone and stop goading me. I can't stand anymore. I can't stand anymore, I tell you. Where are you going? Oh, I just got to have time to think. As you left, your mind was a turmoil of frustration. You were afraid to go on, and more afraid not to. Then, in a frantic effort to escape your thoughts, you went into a bar. The alcohol was warm inside you, and the churning in your brain quieted and finally stopped. Then you left and went straight to Arthur's house. A light burned in the library. You watched through the French doors as Arthur sealed an envelope, laid it on the mantel. Stealthily, you opened the doors and stepped into the room. Hello, Arthur. Peter, what are you doing sneaking in here at this hour? Why, why you're drunk. You're working late, Arthur. Are you worried? Yes, I am. I don't know what to do. I do. I know the answer, Arthur, and this is your last chance. I'll tell you if only you'll make me a partner. So that's why you came here. No. Now get out of here. Go on. Get out. Oh, oh no. Not yet, Arthur. What are you doing? Drop that gun. Since when do you keep your gun on the desk? Afraid of burglars, Arthur? Now, Peter, please. Put that gun down. Sit down, Arthur. There at the desk. What are you going to do, Peter? No. No! Now, Peter Drake, you would killed again. You had murdered another man. Then you moved quickly. You wiped the fingerprint, put the pistol in Arthur's right hand, pushed his chair close to the desk, 
and ran from the room. You hurried to your house where you found Marcia asleep. You got into bed at once. And you knew that now, at last, you would rule the swirdling empire. Now, Marcia would be happy. You didn't know how long you had slept before you were awakened by Marcia rushing into the room. Peter. Peter, wake up. Have you lost your mind completely? How much do you think you can get away with? Well, what's the matter? Peter, it's all over the morning paper. Listen to this. Arthur Squirdling, dead. President of the Lewis Squirdling Company was found shot to death in the library of his home late last night. Did you do it, Peter? Yes. Yes, I did it. Are you sure nobody saw you? No one saw me. It all happened so fast. What about this? Although there was every indication Squirdling killed himself, police were silent about a single clue. Indicates that someone else may have done a the clue. Thing. Oh, no, Marsha. What could it be? Peter, listen to me. You've got to get to the office quick. Make believe that nothing has happened. You didn't see the morning paper. Oh, a clue, a clue. If only I could remember. Get hold of yourself. You've got to hurry. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. oh, I'm so shaky. I'll call a cab while you dress. Hurry. <laughs> you rode in a taxi to your office, the fatal words drummed over and over in your brain. The police were silent about a single clue. Yes, Peter, they had found something, and the cold terror of what that meant to you made your fingers tremble as you reached for your wallet to pay the cab fare. Then for an instant, your heart stopped beating. Your wallet was missing. Frantically, you searched through all your pockets. But it was gone. The awful fact descended over you like a shroud. You ran inside and called Martha. Had her look for it at home. Her voice was heavy with fear. And she told you it was not there. You had to find out. Had to know if your wallet was the clue. You decided to go back to Arthur. And in a few moments later, as the wave of panic mounted inside you, you walked up to his door and pressed the bell. I, uh, I'm Peter Drake. I'd like to see Bertha, uh, uh, Mrs. Swordling. Were you a friend of Mrs. Swordling? Yes, a cousin. I'm the treasurer of his firm. Mrs. Swerdling's pretty broken up. She said she didn't want to see anybody. Oh, I understand, of course. Sir. May I ask who you are? Lieutenant Fitzsimmons, police department. Oh, I, uh, I read in the paper that you men had found some sort of clue. Uh, do you mind telling me what you found? I really couldn't say, Mr. Drake. <laughs> all over. And the police wouldn't tell me a thing. I didn't find your wallet, Peter. I looked everywhere. Huh? Well, what are we going to do? Think, Peter. When did you have your wallet last? Uh, at that bar. I, I, I must have paid with my, my drinks last night. I... Peter. Peter, what's the matter? That man coming up the walk. He's the waiter. The one at the bar. And 
and looked at that tall man in back of him. It's the detective. I talked to him at Arthur's. Peter? Sure. Sure, it's simple now. They, they, they must have found my wallet in Arthur's library. They traced my movements, and that waiter, that waiter, he told him what time I left the bar. You can get away. Run, Peter. Off the back. Stall him, will you? Stall him as long as you can. Where are you going? To the bedroom. Come on, go on, answer the door. Mrs. Drake? Yes? I'm Lieutenant Simmons, Police Department. I'd like to talk to your husband in connection with the death of Arthur Swirland. Yeah. He's not feeling well. If you could come back... What's that? Because he was cornered. Because you came after him for Arthur's murder. What? Yes. And he murdered Thurman, too. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Arthur Swerdling was a suicide. He found the note he left. What note? Arthur Swerdling left a suicide note on the mantel of his room. He confessed juggling the company's books. That's why I'm here. Your husband was the firm's treasurer, and I but, thought that... But the clue. You found a clue. Oh, that was nothing. It turned out to be a false lead. No. No, you're lying. What about the wallet? 
He lost his wallet. Yeah, yeah, he did that. This man just told me about it down at the door. Yeah, yeah, lady, that's right. You see, he lost it at my bar, and I just wanted to return it. I, I figured it was the honest thing to do. Now it is time to close the book. Another entry has been duly recorded on the pages of eternity. And the sensitive scales of justice are suspended in absolute balance. In the case of Peter Drake, as in the cases of all mortals, I face them but the instrument. The instrument of a plan. And the little things that happen every day, the trivia of life, are the tools with which I work. It was a little thing, the innocent loss of a wallet, which magnified a thousandfold by Peter's complex of guilt, proved his undoing. Ponder well the moral, and remember, you who listen, that there is a page for you in The Diary of Faith. Produced by Larry Finley. Diary of Fate is a Finley transcription. Brought to you from Hollywood. Fate is a horror program where the character of Fate, played by Herbert Linton, narrates a morality tale, and woe be to the person on the wrong end. This program plays the usual stories of murder, hitchhikers, blackmail, love gone wrong, and the guilty getting their just desserts. The character of Fate plays a bit more of a role than mere observer. He creates situations to force the protagonist into a choice, and for the sake of the show, they always choose badly, and the audience gets to listen to their demise unfold. The show aired from 1947 to 1948. Only 24 episodes are known to survive. The show wasn't as successful as similar shows like Inner Sanctum, but it did have solid stars including Laureen Tuttle, Larry Dobkin, Hal Sawyer, Gloria Blondell, and other solid performers. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.